You were with us a little bit ago. You heard some of the foundation of, of the breadth and depth of Rosh Hashanah. And it's we're, huge. It's huge. We're going to start digging right here this morning. Yeah, we are. Rosh Hashanah or Rosh Hashanah, however you want to say it. We have arrived on Sunday evening. It's coming. So I'm giving you a little preview before you get there to, as you know, a lot of folks say, so, uh, you know, uh, we didn't grow up in a Jewish home. We're going to live in a Jewish community. You know, when you talk about some of these things that are normal celebrations, you know, mm-hmm. within the Christian church, we don't have our kind of our minds wrapped around them. So what, what is it you do for Rosh Hashanah? <laughs> Should I be excited or sad? What do I do? So we're going to be digging in today a good bit of the morning, pretty much. And we're just going to, you know, enjoy the worship and enjoy some great insight into some of the fun things. And uh, we're going to start off in an area that you probably have never thought about. We're going to go back to the garden for a moment. Remember Rosh Hashanah, one of the number one things, it's creation of man. All right, So you have a garden, he puts man there. Uh, the serpent in there, when they have a really bad, bad day that ruins everything, <laughs> he is called cunning. He's cunning. And his words deceive them. So sin happened, right? In English, there is no connection between Adam and Eve being naked and the serpent being cunning. You'd read right past that. But it's very different in Hebrew. There's a play on words in the two verses. So there's several words for naked in Hebrew. Arom is the word used when they're naked before sin. Irom is used after sin. The word cunning used to describe the serpent is a third variation, arum. It's to make naked, to uncover, hence to be insolent, spiteful, coming. So all three words come from the exact same root. If you're reading it in the Hebrew manuscripts, it'd be all the same word. You'd never, you wouldn't see anything different there. So the three words have, just have different vowels, right? The first letter is an ein, which means I. Which is significant because the world, the, all the words deal with something that is seen or, or unseen, if you're thinking naked. Genesis 2.25, and they were both naked, a room, a room rather, no, that one's a room, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. A lot of times we reread that and we just, it kind of passes right over us because we don't realize all the similarities of the words. So right. that naked is not the naked after. Now, the serpent was more cunning, a room, than any beast of the field which Jehovah God had made. So man is a room, naked. The serpent is a room, crafty, naked. There's this intentional contrast. The man is guileless, innocence. And this is Adam and Eve, mind you, when I say man. So he has to face this enticing subtlety of the serpent, right? So... Arom, the word that's used for naked before sin, doesn't specifically mean to be unclothed. That's just kind of how we have it in our heads. The man and the woman were covered in God's Shekinah, his light or his glory, because God himself was their covering. So in a sense, you can't think of it as naked in the way you think of naked. Right. Because then you're, you know, you're actually not seeing God because that's what was their covering. So when it's gone, they're naked in a very different sense. The word for naked before sin is used when someone takes off their mantle and goes clad only in their tunic. Now, as you read along in Scripture, you might remember Saul, the first king of Israel. He prophesied before Samuel. He was described as naked. That's that, that naked. When Isaiah is told to walk naked as part of a prophecy, it's that naked, not like without clothes. And when Peter took off his clothes to jump in the sea to get to Jesus after the resurrection, same idea. So... 
the naked, the, the I roam, the word used after sin means that one's right th- the right word in your head. That's utterly naked and helpless. In Deuteronomy 28, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom you, Jehovah will send against you in hunger and thirst in nakedness and in need of everything. And he'll put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. So as we come on Rosh Hashanah on this day of creation of mankind, we think about first what happens here. Ezekiel 16, I'll also give you into, into their hand and they'll throw down your shrines and break down your high places. They shall also strip you of your clothes take your beautiful jewelry and leave you naked, that's Irom, and bare, that's Uriah, that's naked in shame. Mm. So that word naked has a lot of different meanings. When Adam and Eve sinned, they placed themselves outside of God's covering, and their eyes are called open, and their minds are now called knowing, and they find leaves to replace what they lost. It's, it's not just that they were unclothed, they were clothed with shame, you see? Mm. That's the that's the play on the words there, and so there didn't matter what they put on; it wasn't going to fix the fact that they were clothed, they were naked in shame. So in Genesis three, the serpent says, "For God knows that in the day you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be open. That's paka, and you will be like God, which is like yada, and it means to know by experience, good and evil. You're going to know." experience good and evil. And of course they eat and then the eyes of both of them were open, again that paka, and they knew that they were in Rome, naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now open in this story of Hagar in Genesis 21, then God opened her eyes, she saw a well of water her son was starving to death and and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So she's overwhelmed, couldn't see what was in front of her. It was there but her eyes needed to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. So I want you to think about that as we're going into Rosh Hashanah. Is your eyes, there's things in front of you that you just can't see, and you need God to open your eyes. So looking back, what does it mean to be naked and unashamed? The Aramaic translation says they knew not what shame was. I like that one. Mm. No sin in their nature, no guilt on their conscience, or wickedness in their hands or actions. They were naked but yet they were not so. That's part of the, the definitions. Their bodies were the clothing of their internal glory. Their internal glory was the clothing of their nakedness. How's that, how's that for these deep thinkers way back when? <laughs> we just looked in depth at the word for naked in Hebrew. Arom, the used after. Irom. I'm sorry, Arom before. Irom, after sin. It looks so similar. I just get it squirreled right out of my brain. There's a third word, cunning, which is used to describe the servant, right? A room, which means to make naked, to uncover, to be insolent, spiteful, cunning. All three words come from that same root, ein resh mem. Both a room, the used after sin, and a room, the word that means cunning, have the same thing in common. They both have to do with being uncovered. When Adam and Eve sin, they place themselves outside of God's covering. It's just not that they were unclothed. It's, it's that shame that was the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So the serpent, the one called, we translated Lucifer, it's Hallel. It means shining one or morning star. It was created by God to be one of the highest orders of angelic beings, a cherub. Ezekiel 28 tells us that prior to his rebellion, Hallel was the anointed cherub that covers. Mm. Yeah, ironic. We know him as Satan. The word is a transliteration of that Hebrew Satan, 
which is the word for adversary, one who withstands an accuser. The loss of the Shekinah glory for him meant going from covering to exposing. Mm. Ironically, the alternate meaning of Hillel from Yalel means howling or wailing. Just a lot of different things. I'm not throwing a lot of Hebrew at you there. But as you begin this journey into Rosh Hashanah, we start with the creation of mankind. One of the more significant events is their fall, mm -hmm. which is going to happen. You know, that's the Yom Kippur. So it's not too far away. So just a little preview there to get you ready. Now we're going to jump into the trumpets and walk, talk in some of that. So that's that's your heaviest journey into Hebrew there. You can turn your breath. <laughs> well, for folks that are like, wait, my head is spinning. Don't worry. The notes will be on the blog section of victory.radio. Uh, so you'll be able to have all of that right there.